0: Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you were able to join us today. We hope that you're blessed by today's message from our care and prayer pastor, Hayward Eastman. Well, praise the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. A lot of joy in the house today, right? Amen, amen. Well, we're going to finish off Hebrews with chapter 12 and 13. But uh, don't worry, it's not going to be as long as you imagine. (laughs) We're doing a summary, really, of the two chapters. I want to start off with a quote. Uh, The ex-coach of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Tom Landry, once said that the job of a coach is to make men do what they do not want to do, in order that they may be what they've always wanted to be. I see the writer to the Hebrews taking on the role of a coach. As he reminds, uh, the remind, remainder of the book deals with more, more with practical living. He is addressing a group of persecuted, beaten down, discouraged believers whose faith is being shaken we all experience a shaking in our lives in various times of life in various forms death divorce separation finances health issues harassment In chapter 5 we are urged to grow in faith Hebrews 5 verses 11 and 12 says there is much more that we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot Eat solid food. But now he encourages us to keep moving forward in the Christian faith. And we come to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that uh, show, slows us down, especially the sin. That so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. One of the greatest inspirations and comfort for us should be all of the believers from the past who have gone before us and who have influenced us in their lifetime. Even the biblical heroes of the faith as we've read about them and learned about them, even as we were in Sunday school. The biblical heroes of faith, family members, father, mother, neighbor, youth leader, pastor, teachers. Maybe you know someone whose faith and life has influenced you greatly. I remember as if it were today, my father was suffering with a back problem. He made his living as a logger. And you need a, a, a strong back to be a logger. It was a Sunday morning, and I was probably about nine years of age. And this was before TV. We were listening to the radio program Oral Roberts, a healing evangelist from the US. And at the end of his program, he encouraged all who needed healing to place their hand on the radio as he prayed. My father walked across the living room and reached out and touched the radio. I will never forget it. We walked to church that morning. And a few days later, my father went to a three-month stint to a logging camp. God healed him completely. And that made a lasting impression upon my young life. I have always known that Jesus can save, that Jesus can heal and meet our every need, if we will just take a step of faith, if we believe his promises. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask today that you will make this word real to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that you are the same today as you always was. So, Lord, we pray that you will minister to each heart, and I ask for a a rich anointing of your Holy Spirit to deliver this word as you would have me to. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Bible compares our Christian life as a race. Lay aside every weight. So let's prepare for the race. Lay aside every weight. There are things in life that weigh us down. Jesus spoke of the the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for things, and then, of course, there are the habitual besetting sins that so easily can trip us up, that weakness that keeps repeating over and over again in our lives, that thing which you come to Jesus about And you pray and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've failed again. Help me, Lord. And you promise that you'll never do it again. And lo and behold, in some unguarded moment, you've messed up again. The very same thing that you said you would not do. And so, sin is an impediment to my reaching The goals that God has set for me. Sin can hold me back. But there are also things that may not be sin. But every weight. That every weight. Some things are merely hindrances. That can keep slowing me down. So that I do never reach that potential. That God intends for me. There is no room to lay blame. On any other. Any human or demon. The action is laying squarely on my shoulders. To say that the devil made me do it is not even an option. The appeal is simply for us in the power of the Holy Spirit to lay aside every weight and every sin that trips us up, that brings us down. And we can do it. God wouldn't ask us to do this if we couldn't do it. We are called to run this race with endurance. It will involve effort and commitment. But Jesus is our ultimate example. And we go to verse 2 and two to 4 in Hebrews chapter 12. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting for him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. He is our focus, our inspiration, our example. But he is so much more, folks. Jesus is the sinless Son of God. He is God, our Savior, the living sacrifice for sin. Keeping our eyes on Jesus means to focus on him and his teachings, follow his instructions for right living. It will bring you life and light and guidance and encouragement and peace and joy. The joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Above everything else, keep your eyes on Jesus, who initiates and perfects our faith. Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 6 says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. This should be comforting for every discouraged Christian whose faith has been shaken. Jesus is with you at the start line, and he will be with you right through to the finish line. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And so we look at the role of discipline in our Christian race. Verses 5 and 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words of God spoken to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines, those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. The Hebrew and Greek words translated as uh, discipline in the Bible means instruction, training, rebuke, reproof, warning, and correction. Discipline is a vital aspect of our spiritual life for all who follow Jesus. The Lord's discipline is not punishment for sin, but it is for correction to help us to get on the, keep on the straight and narrow. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We know that Jesus cleanses, his blood cleanses from all sin. He has paid that one for all sacrifice. And so the only thing for us is discipline been disciplined and groomed to be all that God wants us to be. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, our sins has been paid in full. Jesus has paid whatever debt was owed. Now, in verse 7 and 9, it says, As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father if God doesn't discipline you, he does, as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? God's discipline proves that he's a loving father a gracious and concerned father. He disciplines us for our welfare, just as we would do for our children. That's because he loves us. We are his children, and he's a good, good father. Verse 10 and 11 says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained this way. I would like to say that I did a wonderful job as a father in disciplining my kids, but I know that I was a... a, There was a lot left that needed to be done Uh, as far, you know, the way that I did things wasn't always the right way. But I'm thankful today I got three kids who loved me with all their heart. And uh, I know, speaking as a, from a childhood experience, that I loved my mom and dad. I got a a lot of beatings, I needed, I needed a lot. (laughs) But, but I'm thankful for everyone. And uh, I have no, com- no complaints whatsoever. And uh, then there's the fruit of discipline. There's some good fruit that comes out of discipline, the right kind of discipline. Jesus taught that the, the single greatest command in the Bible is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He followed up by saying that the second greatest commandment draws from the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we submit to God's discipline, that molding and shaping, we enter into a level of spiritual wholeness. And the end result is personal renewal and revival in our own personal lives. And when that happens in a whole bunch of us, there's revival in the church. The whole body of Christ becomes revived, renewed, and strengthened and encouraged in the faith. So Hebrews 12 to 15 says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that you don't so that you who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong work at living in peace with everyone and work at uh, looking after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of god watch out that no one no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many we get a new grip on our faith by recommitting ourselves to serve our Lord. Refocusing our goal, re-energizing our faith, and renewing our relationships with God and with others. We have a responsibility to be a good influence to everyone for God's glory. Encourage the discouraged. Lift up the fallen. Speak truth into people's lives. We function best when we are in tune with God. It is only then that we can have His heart and His direction, His plan for us. And then we begin living in that new and better way. Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 21, refers to the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, and this is found in Exodus 19, chapter 19, back in the Old Testament. Mount Sinai is a a literal mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments and the law, an unapproachable place, a terrifying place, causing people to tremble with fear fire and thunder and lightning and darkness and they were afraid to to approach the mountain in fact they were not allowed even to approach it and throughout hebrews the key thought is better we are made aware of the superiority of jesus over the old covenant jesus is better than the prophets and Than the angels, and then Moses and Aaron, he's better than these. The new covenant is better than the old. And grace is superior to the law. And verse 22 says, no, you have come to Mount Zion, to the holy city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. In biblical reference, Jerusalem is often referred to as Zion. But the writer to the Hebrews is speaking of a better place. The city of the living God, he calls it. The heavenly Jerusalem. Mount Sinai was all about an old covenant based on works. Mount Zion represents a new covenant with Jesus, the mediator, based on believing and receiving. Verse 24 says, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance, like the blood of Abel. We shouldn't come to Mount Zion as if we were coming to Mount Sinai. There is no need to be afraid. Don't be afraid to come to God. Don't be afraid to come to Jesus. Don't be afraid to pour out your life to Him. Don't be afraid to say, I'm a sinner. Admit it. There's no need to be afraid. So be encouraged and be bold in coming to God with everything you need. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 So let us come boldly to the throne of grace of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. He also loves it when we just come to him to say thank you. Just kneel before him or close your eyes and raise your hands and say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my wife. Thank you, Lord, for my job. Thank you for my employment. Thank you for all of your provision. Thank you for all of your blessing. Thank you for health and strength. And the list goes on and on. You never run out of things to thank the Lord for. And he just loves it when his children expresses thanksgiving to him. And so Christianity in its purest form is about relationships. As we come to the final chapter of Hebrews, we are reminded that Christianity is not just a set of religious doctrines and beliefs about God. It's also about relationships. Relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Relationships with fellow believers, loving one another, It's honoring God with our lives, showing love and respect to God and to each other. Verses 1 to 4 then of Hebrews chapter 13 says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were there together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. God has given us his love so that we are able to do what is right. He don't ask us to do anything that it is impossible for us to do. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40 says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's a reason that I put that there in there twice because I didn't realize that I did it but God knew that I needed to do (laughs) it. Next, don't focus on money and wealth as a source of our security. Verses 5 and 6 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What hope, what comfort, what strength we can draw from this scripture. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. This verse seems to stand alone with little context, but let's look back to verses 5 to 7. Verse 5, God has said that he will never leave or forsake us. Verse 6 tells us we can say with confidence that God is our helper. Verse 7, remember the leaders who influenced our lives in the faith and have died. Man, I could spend all day telling you about people who have influenced my life. Pastors, teachers, neighbors, parents. Oh, God has given me such a rich heritage of people in my life that have influenced me. But Jesus has never changed, and He's still with us. This means that the promises that Jesus made when He was on earth are eternally true and are still in force today. Jesus still forgives and saves and heals and restores. He restores lives today. Verse 8 Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did when he was on earth, he can do today. And he is still doing. There are testimonies, great testimonies, of what God has done in Sturgeon County over the years. And even recently, my wife is a walking miracle. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So this brings us to the sacrifice of praise. Throughout the book of Hebrews, the author has explained the Jewish priesthood and the sacrificial system in terms of Christ's fulfillment. And now he explains physical sacrifice in the terms of praise and good works. And Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 15 to 16 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to His name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are sacrifices that God, that pleases God. We usually think of sacrifice as giving up something. Or, or going without. But here it speaks as in the Old Testament sense of offering up to God. And then the author f- follows up with a powerful benediction. First of all, he's, we are exhorted to offer a praise, not occasionally, but continually. And that's what we do in our services. In our worship service, we we offer up praise to God. We begin with praising God and worship. And then we're prepared to receive from his bountiful supply as the man of God or the woman of God that day brings out out the word to us. And the verses 20 to 21 now is the benediction. It says, now, made a God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. These are things that God will do for us. These are blessings that we can pronounce upon one another and experience them in our lives. I want to conclude this sermon today by drawing attention to the last five verses of Hebrews chapter 12. Listen. God is speaking. Verses 25 to 29. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only the unshakable things will remain. God is speaking loud and clear to this generation. In services like this, he speaks to us individually into our heart. Sometimes He speaks so strongly that after that that word is spoken, you don't hear anything else that is said. The Holy Spirit speaks. God speaks by His Spirit. He speaks proclaiming His Word through teaching and preaching and prophetic words. Increased earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, storms are more violent now than ever before. Lakes are drying up. Fires are greatly increased. Floods and landslides are taking lives. Nations are in moral decay. Our nation is in moral decay. Young lives are being ruined by drugs. The world is in turmoil, financial woes, war, terrorism human trafficking, and evil so sickening, too sickening to mention. You can read it, you can hear it, you can see it in real time any day of the week. We can, all we have to do is turn on our TV or uh, go to the internet, and you can see everything that is happening. And it can make a, a believer want to throw up. It's so bad. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back now. We know that God has appointed a great earthquake to bring this age to a close. A final shaking of the earth and the heavens. We read it in chapter 6, verse 20, just a, just a glimpse, and every island disappeared and all the mountains were leveled. But right now God in his great mercy is offering to everyone who believes in Jesus a kingdom that cannot be shaken and will never end. Hebrews 12:28 to 29. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable let us be thankful And please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. The Bible is clear judgment and eternal punishment awaits all who do not accept God, His provision of eternal life. To believe in His Son Jesus and confess that we have sinned. That's my only escape, is to do that, and I have done it. Jesus died for sinners. You don't have to be a sinner. You don't have to remain in sin. Jesus will save you now. You don't have to clean up your life. You come just as you are. You don't say, when I, when I can stop drinking, then I'll come. When I can stop smoking weed, then I'll come. When I can stop some of those bad habits, then I'll come. No, you come as you are. You don't clean yourself up. You come just as you are, only the blood of Jesus and cleanse a life from sin. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. This was written to saints. If we sin, just because we're born again don't mean that we never sin. But we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one and his blood cleanses us from all sin isn't that awesome that's what keeps me going when i was a young believer wow i would do something and it was bad and i would give up i'm gone back we called it back in newfoundland backslidden And then I would get worse than I ever was before. And I'd I'd get to a point where the Holy Spirit would convict me, and I would come back to Him, and I would say, Lord, I'll never do that again. Forgive me. And for about a year, I was serving God, oh, so faithfully. And then I'm back again, sinning. But I didn't know, I didn't realize at the time, that I could say, Lord, I'm sorry. I believe that your blood cleanses me from all sin. Forgive me and keep on going. And I could be in church next Sunday giving a powerful testimony and no one in the building would know how bad I messed up that week. Because it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. What do God know about me? And I know that his blood cleanses me. From every sin. So if you're struggling in your faith today don't get down, don't give up serving God, don't stop coming to church, don't stop fellowshipping with believers. God loves you and His blood the sacrifice has been made. There's no other sacrifice to be made. He made that last sacrifice for sin and it still stands today. So come just as you are Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you. Romans chapter 10, 10 verse nine, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Tell Jesus about it today. God is still adopting children into his forever family. Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.